Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Barrels and Business. During this hour or so, we aim to bring you some really tangible tips on the trials and tribulations of growing and scaling businesses, things that you can use yourselves, some adventure advice as well, some inspiration about the best surf spots in the world. You know, hang in there because we're going to cover it all. And today, I am joined by Monty Hook. Now, Monty and I have been friends for a couple of years now. He came into my field at an amazing wedding in Bali after I said I would never go to Bali. And then this wedding came about and I had to go. And we had Dan, whose wedding it was, on the podcast just recently as well. And I met Monty there, but then everybody kept saying, don't you know Monty? Don't you know Monty? Because he's just in all these different pockets of the entrepreneurial field throughout the globe. Now, the reason he is like that is because he's actually been an entrepreneur since he was eight years old. He kind of went off the rails a little bit around his teenagers years where he started stealing boats. I don't know if that was an entrepreneurial journey as well, Monty, you can tell us that. He's lived on boats, he's lived all over the world. He was recently living in the Philippines and he's just relocated back to the beautiful Bali for an epic project that he will tell us about a little bit later. But Monty, fill in the gaps. I didn't mention the part where I get all my virtual assistants and executive assistants through you, the fact that you've got the founder of three startups at the moment, or not startups, three businesses at the moment, sit on three boards on additional to that. What else? What have I missed? Uh, <laughs> thank you, Jade. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, that's all I know, entrepreneurship. I had my first business when I was eight years old. I grew up on a boat in Sydney Harbour and it wasn't uh, like the luxury boat that you might have in your mind. It was uh, kind of like a trailer caravan on water. That's why we... we could oh, that's why we bond. My caravan was on the land. Um, I just learned from, from a very... <laughs> so, I mean, mine was, uh, you know, in hindsight, very adventurous upbringing. But as a child, um, you know, I kind of made it mean that um, I was always comparing myself to other kids and we didn't have a TV and video games and all this kind of stuff. So I just figured out from a very young age, if I want something in life, I've got to figure it out myself. So I guess that was the, the trigger for the entrepreneurial spirit was really just this internal um, need, I guess, to prove myself and want to be something more. And uh, yeah, I've had all sorts of different businesses. The main business now, uh, with the business has been running for seven years, is outsourcing. So we run teams of... Uh, staff out of the Philippines. We have offices over there um, and we work with businesses all around the world, mostly from Australia, helping them to uh, to, to have sustainable team and to, to scale up. Um, and my kind of gift, I guess, if I'm um, uh, yeah, going to try to articulate what I'm really good at, that is uh, I'm very good at business systems, business structure, projections, understanding people's vision of what they uh, are trying to achieve in business. Um, and engineering the steps um, and understanding the entrepreneurial journey, you know, through the different stages, different sides of teams and leadership and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I know that through experience, um, having built businesses myself, um, but also working with a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses and seeing what people are doing really well and mostly seeing where people are fucking it up. Yeah, I would say... From from being involved with you over the last few years, having you come to some of my masterminds, speak at different events for me, your genius is connecting the dots. 
right? You, you can, you, you seem to, to, to peer through the matrix and to be able to see the dots and see what's going on in people's businesses. You're great with the detail and the analytics and the numbers and being able to see what maybe we can't see it when we're in our business too. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think I mean, everyone's got different personalities and different gifts and, um, you know, it's usually the case that people who are entrepreneurs or people who start businesses are those ones who are less adverse to risk. Um, so they're good with people and they're good with ideas and, um, but not necessarily good with details. And, um, yeah, so there's usually a lot of things missing in the process of, of building a business. And I guess one thing I'm good at is just really seeing, really getting insights, um, through numbers, through leadership, through culture, uh, how how business is actually performing and yeah, understanding what you know what needs to be tweaked um, and what the future looks like because um, yeah we all have grand ideas starting our business that you know it's going to be a certain way um, but the entrepreneurial journey is very seldom how we expect it to unfold so <laughs> yeah it's far more like a roller coaster right yeah. So yeah, what I, what I really love is that there's people out there like you that can support people like me <laughs> because when we talk about the wealth dynamics profiles and, and people throughout this, listening to this podcast will, to, will learn about that from us. But I am a, a star personality with a high creator, uh, high dynamo energy, which means I get shiny things syndrome. And I do get by a lot on my people skills and I can kind of wing it. And sometimes things seem to come easy to me. And because of that, and you know, you can make money, you don't always look at the detail and we can actually make our lives a lot easier by systemizing, structuring, automating, making better decisions based on the money, taking out the, you know, the feast and famine out of things. And it's, one thing I really encourage business owners to do is if you are a personality type like that, seek out someone like a Monty as a mentor that can, that can sort of pull you in because your business can scale so much more rapidly. Once you, once you know the detail of the numbers, like numbers make me want to vomit. Um, but, but the decision-making process that you can have by understanding what's happening in your business and where the, the logical next steps are to move, what is a good risk and what is just going to spin your wheels. And so someone like you being able to see through that and help is a huge, huge benefit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I think especially in the early stages of business, like sort of, you know, one person founder to five people, you can wing it, man. Like you can just like, you know, you, you can plug people in and have no structure and no systems. And, you know, the whole thing is kind of driven on, on, uh, on inspiration and excitement and, you know, um, high energy. It's kind of like this high octane vibe that you can kind of get by on. Um, and that's the startup kind of culture, I guess. It's a very exciting kind of thing to, to, to be part of. And because you're in that energy, um, it's, you know, it, like you said, it can become easy to uh, attract other people to that. And, um, but that has a limited lifespan at a certain point. Um, the, you know, as you, as you start to build the team and you duplicate roles and you put managers in place, uh, then the dynamics completely shift. And uh, I think one of the, the, the key factors there is people need to actually figure out, is this something they want to do? Because the, the, the feeling that you have in building a business in the early stages is a very different thing to how it is later. We've so 
so much more responsibilities and, you know, like payroll and all these kind of shit things that you have to like navigate and have responsibility towards. Um, and you know, it can, it can become unfun, right? So, yeah. um, you can come out the other side of that and it can be real fun again, but I think one of the, there's a, there's a real decision to be made. Do you actually really want to scale? Because, um, especially for people like you who have that stark on energy, uh, it can be very easy to take you out of that. If you're bogged down with responsibilities of team and, um, you know, paying people and stuff. Shit and it's like not that. your highest, it's just not your highest best use, right? So yeah. before we switch gears into that, I want to read something that I recently read on your Instagram, Monty. And oh, I'm gonna, okay. Yeah, and I'm going to share the screen for those who are watching because the pictures are epic because it, this is going to lead me into the conversation of how, how do you free yourself up and be in highest best use. So Monty's, Monty's Instagram post, thank God it's Friday, hashtag. I mean, wow, what a crazy week in the office. I'm so glad I'm able to make it through to the weekend. Jokes aside, I'm loving life right now, creating some new magic here in Bali. I've got more projects than ever, but less work than ever. Making things move around me instead of being the one to move. No woo-woo here. (laughs) If it weren't for the hustle of the years gone by, I would not have opened up so much leverage and vitality. Don't let my photos fool you. The path... And the gateway out of the matrix requires you to bleed at the eyeballs and do the work. But the path out of the, out of the matrix requires you to spend time sharpening the ax. So for those having a look on, uh, on the video, you can have a look through these photos. This is Monty at commune, which is one of our favorite places in Bali to go and get inspiration and to work from and to surf from. But this, the reason why I wanted to use this as the, the segue Monty is because you know, you've been there, you've done the grind. You've also done the, the years of doing all the shit that you shouldn't do, like the busy, the busy work that's not your highest, best use, right? And mm. you have found the way out of the matrix, the way to get yourself into highest, best use, and you're helping other entrepreneurs to do that. Walk us through the process. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy, Jade. You know, like, um, you know, people talk about, it, the, the thing is we're so sold into shortcuts, right? We live in a shortcut culture. We live in a um, hack culture and we're sold every day. Um, you know, the formula for, you know, for making $792,000, $342, whatever, um, through Facebook ads. And it's like, we're so <laughs> attracted to this shortcut culture, right? And it's a slippery slope. It's a, it's a, it's a trap. It's sometimes scary. Um, because, yeah, and quite quite often, right? And it's because what I see what I see a lot is that people don't necessarily play the game for where they are at in their journey, right? Because when we look at other entrepreneurs and we look, we're mostly attracted to what people who are doing big things, and we go, oh wow, that person made millions of dollars. Let me follow their formula or, or whatever, right? But there is different stages of the journey and what I see a lot of people doing is trying to play a game that's bigger than where they are at right now. So in the early stages of business, um, your main role as the founder or CEO entrepreneur, you've only got one job and that's to make money for the business, right? And a lot of people try to build their team too quickly and try to put in a salesperson, try to put in a sales manager because they feel like, oh, well, I'm not the best 
salesperson, right? I could find someone who's a better salesperson. But usually they don't like doing the sales and they're trying to avoid it and they are the best salesperson. (laughs) Exactly. And the thing is, especially in the early stages, nobody can sell the business, your product, your service as well as you can. That's just, that's just a given, right? That's just a fact. Um, And the other part of that is that the, the way to leverage yourself and what you should be focused on is what is your highest and best use at the time, right? So in the early stages of business, you, what you should, the first thing you should do is not put in a sales manager. The first thing you should do is put in maybe a personal assistant or a virtual assistant to help you get your time back from doing the menial shit stuff like emails and social media posting and all that kind of stuff so you can free up your time so that you can, uh, you can be more productive in what is the highest and best use for the business at that time. Um, so to kind of lead that back into your question around you know, how do people find their way out of the matrix? Um, it's really a, a, a never ending journey of just doing that. Right. So, um, if you could clear your plate of, so everyone knows the 80, 20 principle, right? So if you could, let's say every three months, you have a look at everything that's on your plate and you go, all right, well, what's, what should I be focused on? What's, the lowest value that I can give away. And you do an evaluation every three months. If you could give away 20% of the lowest value activities of everything you're doing and give that away every three months, well then after one year, you've given away 80%, right? And you're left with the top 20%. And if you think of anybody who's ever done anything big in business or built a team, that's pretty much all they've done. But I think people kind of overcomplicate it. And they think, oh, I need, you know, this system. I need this tactic. I need these Facebook ads. Uh, I need a sales manager. I, I need all those things. Um, that's, to me, is overcomplicating it. It's like, yeah. okay, clear your plate of the, the 20% so that you can have more time to do the highest value. And then, ideally, that's going to generate re- revenue for the business. And then you end up with the resources to then be able to afford different team members but you choose those team members based on where the business is at at the time, not necessarily on your skills and abilities. And I think Mm. this is where a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get it wrong. So to, I've just been doing it, I think for such a long time that I have now got a a big enough team and I've kind of come out the other side and go, okay, well I've got some businesses in place that pretty much run without me. I oversee and I'm the puppet master and I still pull the strings and, you know, I, I check in and I make sure everything's performing. Um, but for the most part, you know, a lot of that stuff is just now handled because I've got very high level managers in place and there's no shortcut to that. And this is, what I, I don't buy into this, you know, this idea, ideology of, you know, hyper growth businesses and all this kind of shit. It's, it's because that's not sustainable because it's almost like you have to earn your stripes going through that process. Cause there's so much like, you know, personal development and leadership. Mm-hmm. You have to learn about yourself. And if you try to just put yourself in terms of your current skills and abilities and then plant yourself at the top of the mountain, then with all that team in place, with all that financial responsibility, with like all that stuff going on, you don't have the internal tools to deal with it. And you implode. So you, you implode. You don't have a you don't have a system for sustainability. So, um, this, this, the 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 long answer. That's the long answer. The short answer is 
there's just no shortcuts. Um, you just got to be doing it long enough. But if there's any one kind of thing to focus on, it's that what I said is just be just be hyper vigilant about what what is the best use of your time today. Like, yeah. just be really really clear that if you're spending your time doing something, you could pay somebody twenty dollars an hour, even ten dollars an hour for. Yeah, it's like that is really um, you you know, saying to yourself, I'm worth $10 an hour. And that is not, that's not a, um, that's not a paradigm that you're going to be able to scale from. Yeah. I found like from years of doing recruitment and <laughs> helping businesses grow for 13 years as a recruiter, everything from a mom and pop shop to, to Google that I wish I knew what I know now to, to have been able to advise some of the business leaders and some of the, the sales directors and things like that about, getting the shit off their plate that they shouldn't be doing and hiring just an assistant. So it took, uh, it, it took me, I was running velocity for three years before the entourage guys came aboard and, um, Jack Delos was like, what do you mean you don't have an assistant? And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's, that's for important people. I've got all my team. He's like, are you wasting time reading your own email? He's like, how many email do you get? And I'm like, <laughs> just staring at it all day long. He's like, why? Like your highest, best use of the business is leading the team, training the team, but the clients come and deal with you. Like the more time you're staring at an inbox, the less time you're doing the thing that only you can do, get an assistant. And honestly, I'm, I'm so spoiled. I don't, I, I don't know how, I don't know how I'd function with having to deal with all my own email. Like I've got one of my assistants from you, one of my executive assistants. She spends literally four hours a day doing nothing but handling my inboxes and my LinkedIn messages and my LinkedIn connection requests. Like that's four hours of my time that if I had to do it myself, that it means I'm not on Zoom calls coaching people. I'm not creating content. I'm not meeting clients. I'm not presenting. Like, what what are those four hours worth to the business if I had to sit around and do that shit? Yeah, and also what's the what 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 is that process of giving that low value stuff away is you just building more value into yourself. It's you saying to yourself, I'm I'm worth more than this and then that's how you show up in the world and then that's how you show up in business meetings and and, and people see that. People resonate with that and then um, you know <clears throat> when you are kind of caught in this loop of, you know, frantically trying to do everything and it's not a good headspace to be in. Right. And, you know, you might be able to convince or even manipulate a few people to work with you. But um, if you want to scale and you want to do big business and you want to have meetings where it's, you know, like you close big deals or you close multiple deals at one time, it's like, you've got to be a different person. You've got to show up in a different way. Um, So, you constantly got to be looking at, at, at your own value and being very strict with um, being very strict with certain things. Like this is, yeah. this is not the best use of my time. I had one, I had one incident yesterday where we're, we're building out the, the marketing division. Uh, so we're doing a lot of um, uh, branding and websites and, and stuff. At the moment. And I've got Jared who's running, running all that, but I'm much better on the financial side and I'm kind of helping him, kind of scope out projects, right, and map out the costs and get uh, get a system in place and then I can then eventually pass it on to somebody else. But it's early stages, so we're kind of putting that in place. Um, and basically he gave 
you know, shitty instructions, which then wasted an hour of my time, an hour of uh, two hours of one of the staff's time, an hour of one of the other staff's time. And I said, I'm pulling myself out of this. This is that that hour of loss to, to my time is not is not worth it. Yeah. From now on, this is how it's going. This, this is how it's going to work. And it's like I, I could kind of get like all antsy about it and go, oh, let me handle it, right? Oh, you're shit at this. Let me handle it. And that's what that that's what I think is really a bottleneck for a lot of entrepreneurs is because they 100%. they they get trapped in I'm I'm the best person at doing this and me I'm like nah that's just not a good use of my time yeah and so. that's really that's a really good point because a lot of business owners especially if they're um, the creator style right they think that no one else can do it as good as me and they get frustrated trying to train other people so they just do it and it isn't the highest best use and that means they can they are the massive bottleneck and they can't they can't scale because of that what what do you say to people that say I don't have time to train someone else I might as well just do it myself then just don't fucking be an entrepreneur that's just the, that's just that's just like the most ridiculous like comment ever that it's how just, often do you hear it though that's yeah probably every day that's it's the opposite of entrepreneurship. Like it's literally the opposite of being an entrepreneur. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, ask, the, uh, ask the question again, the way that you asked it. Oh, the way that I asked it. Uh, <laughs> I told you before I've got a migraine. How are you making me think like this? <laughs> I, Sorry. I'm blonde. It's gone. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you say to the people that, uh, they say they don't have the time to train someone. Yeah. They may as well just do it themselves. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> what people don't see is, so <clears throat> what people don't realize is that there's, that there's a bet that you have to take on, on other people, right? There's always going to be certain things in the business that nobody can do as well as you. That's just a thing, right? Um, and this is what I say to people when hiring a virtual assistant. It's like if you could hire somebody to do 80%, do, do, could end up doing the job 80 as well as you, right, and you're left with 20% checking it over, is that, a, is that a good step? Like is that a good use of your time? Like if you had eight hours a day of stuff to give to somebody and they did it for six and you checked it for two, is that a good step? Is that a good use of your time? And everybody will say yes, right? Um, but people don't see what's on the other side of that. What people see and feel is, okay, well, I'm paying somebody money. I'm going to take money out of my own pocket, right? And that the decision is usually, I think, is financial, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they're paying somebody else to do something and they have an expectation that, okay, well, I'm paying somebody. They should do a job as well as me. It's just it's not a thing. It's just not, not going to happen. Now, people need to be nurtured, first of all. You need to give people the opportunity um, and you need to train them up. And yes, it is a bet. It is a bet that you are going to take money out of your pocket, put it down on something. You're going to spend a few weeks, a month, training this person, putting systems in place with the bet, with the view that on the other side of that, right? You'll get 80% of your time back. And where the value comes back into that equation is how you then spend your time. It's actually got nothing to do with that stuff. It's how you go and then 
what do you do with that time so that you can bring more money into the business yeah. or, you know, add value to, to the business in, in some way. Um, so yeah, what I would say to people is, is you just have to, you have to take that bet. It's just, it's just what it is. Yeah. I think you have to take the bet, but you've got to be willing to spend the time to do the training. So you can't blame the piss poor performance of someone else if you haven't done the preparation for them. So I see this too often as well, right? They, they, it's like the, the tradesman blaming their tools, your assistants or or your staff are your, are your tools. And if you don't spend the time to give them the skills, then, then that's your fault. And then I hear people say, Oh, well, I don't have time to train them. Well, when you use that, um, metric that you're talking about, you're getting back 80% of your time that you can use on something else. Isn't it worth investing a few hours or even a few days out of a month for the gain that you're going to get long-term that's going to free you up to to do your highest, best work? It's the same with anything in life. It's like, okay, well, if you want to get fit, you've got to go do the hard work in the gym. You've got to do stuff that doesn't feel good in the start and you've got to move through a certain period of things feeling not good and things breaking and things like this is frustrating and this hurts. And, but on the other side of that, it's like, you know, like the feeling that you have from being fit and healthy and it's like, Oh, all that time and effort spent doing exercise was worth it. It's, it's the same with anything in life. There's a, there's a process to, to, to move through. Um, and just kind of on your point there about people not willing to train. The other thing I see a lot is, uh, especially with early stage entrepreneurs is uh, is communication and a lot of entrepreneurs don't take accountability for their own communication mm-hmm. and what that is what that looks like is uh, breakdowns in communication like giving instructions to somebody and they don't understand the instructions if you think that that's their fault because they don't understand your instructions you're not cut out to be an entrepreneur yeah. right um, there's no leaders there's no leadership in that and this is uh, this was a massive learning for me because, um, and how I started an outsourcing business was I kept hiring people from overseas and basically n- nobody understood what I was talking about. But because I am such a high visionary person, the way that I communicate things, it doesn't actually make sense to a lot of people. Yeah. Right. And it took me a long time to figure out. It's like, well, it's not that I have bad communication. It's just like, like we have a mismatch right? Yeah. It's, it's on, I'm, I'm speaking in different terms and from another planet or whatever. Right. Um, and the so people that are spend- great at the tasks that you're trying to get them to do fundamentally have a different personality type and therefore they hear and they learn different. They communicate different. And this is, this is why I absolutely love doing the profiling and I know you profile your staff and this is something I'm using in my coaching at the moment. I'm loving this because I'm <laughs> coaching a couple at the moment and got them to profile because they, they couldn't hear each other. Like the communication wasn't there. And when they realized that one was a a Lord steel based structure, detail, slow introvert need to stop think process and super high dynamo creative visionary that can't understand why anyone can't fucking understand what they're talking about because obviously it's clear except for they only thought about it in their head and they haven't managed to, telepathically communicate it and the the partner is like your head in the clouds you're always like thinking this crazy stuff like you haven't even thought through the detail and and they're like why stop raining on my fucking parade all the time yeah the 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 issue is the issue in that is making people wrong for not understanding right yeah (laughs) and at the end of the day we're just we're just 
we're just different. And this is a massive learning for me. And this is the trap that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into is when something gets miscommunicated, communication breaks down, they look, okay, well, that's your fault. I'm just going to change stuff or I'm just going to, you know, this doesn't work. So I'm just going to do it myself. It's like, no, actually it's a breakdown in communication and you need to slow down and look at how you're doing that. So, you know, like when it comes to, you know, simple things, right? Like if you're going to give instructions on, you know, uh, you know, doing something online, right? It's like people think that, okay, I'm going to do a Skype call with my VA and then they're going to understand what I'm talking about. And then they'll go ahead and do the task because I explained it so clearly. Um, a, they're from another country, another culture. There's potential breakdowns in communication with technology. Um, a lot of people, especially in Asia, they'll say yes to things that they shouldn't say yes to, right, when they don't really understand. And this is another part of the, the management of communication and, and personalities and cultures. Um, and this is the big thing that we deal with in the Philippines is people say yes to things and then they can't do it and then they kind of let you down, right? But there's a process of you building rapport and a relationship with that person and trust. and trust so that they feel confident enough to be able to come to you with certain things, right? So if they're not meeting a deadline rather than disappearing, they can come in and say, Hey Jay, you know, I'm running behind on this. Can I, can you give me an extra two hours or whatever? Right. So, um, but that's the process of nurturing somebody. Yeah. And, and the process of leadership, whether they're in another country or not, I think that that just really happens, A, when you've got different cultures coming into your business, even if they're physically with you, which I've seen throughout the years, especially with um, Asian people coming into my physical businesses in the past because they used to say yes all the time. Indians, people from India, they often say yes uh, because they don't know how to say no. And But you can start to recognize um, that and you can tell when they re they're saying yes, but really they're like, Oh shit, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And that's just all about leadership and, and what you said about ownership. And I, there's a book that I love called extreme ownership by, I think it's Jocko. I can never remember his last name. Um, and it's Jocko, it's Willink. Jocko Willink. And it's about going, okay, where am I? At? I believe with everything we're all, we are at cause, right? Yes. Where are you at cause? Where have you dropped the ball? Yes. Maybe they made a mistake, but what, what did you do to, not allow that or to, yeah. to, to mitigate that risk. And how can you reflect on a situation and go, okay, what did I, what could I have done differently? And, and if the, you really the, want to scale a business, you have to work on your leadership skills. Otherwise yeah, be a one man fucking band and be happy with your lot in life. Yeah. And so what, what that does, that process of having also some humility to, to be able to look at yourself, what that does is it, 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 it softens the relationship, right? It softens the dynamic and it, it allows the, um, it takes the charge, right? It takes the charge away so that there's some comfort then. So then if you look at yourself and you go, oh, okay, well, yeah, this is what I could have done differently. So then when you go to communicate and have a meeting rather than going, okay, you did this. It's like, you didn't meet the deadline, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like straight up blaming and pointing fingers, right? Then, if you look at yourself first, then when you go into that conversation, you'll be going, okay, well, here's, here's what happened. Here's what happened for me. Um, I could have communicated this better. Um, but what I expect out of you is if you're running late, if would it be okay if you just, if you let me know in advance, mm. right? Because what that then allows me to do 
is go back to the client and explain that, yeah, we're going to be a couple of hours late, right? So then when you also give context rather than just pointing fingers, the knock-on effect, then they understand on another level again and it, it softens the dynamic of that interaction so then that's how you build trust, trust and rapport. And that was not an easy one for me because I'm very like for the throat kind of <laughs> impatient person. Like I'm just, you know, that's, that's, how, I'm, that's how I'm built. So, um, But a skill you're working on. <laughs> I, I'm, I've always been working on that. I'm so much better now. But, um, you know, five years ago I was, you know, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that has allowed me to develop relationships with managers, right? With the higher level people. So I've never, you know, I've always had people in the business, but to have that relationship where I've got long-term sustainable uh, managers where I can rely on that communication and that mm-hmm. honest feedback, feedback loop, um, that has come about by me, you know, having, having more empathy and me mm-hmm. having more kindness in all areas of my life so that I, I just approach situations in, in a softer, in a softer manner. It's not that I still have a very firm way of doing things and they still get the point. Um, and then it's not like I've taken the essence of, you know, myself out, out of the equation, but it's just changed the dynamic of the relationship so that, that they, they feel they trust me and they feel free to speak up. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is about shedding the ego, right? Because sometimes when we start businesses, we, and I've seen some clients do this, that they think they're the boss, they pay the bills, so everyone should bow down to them and they boss them around, they get on a bit of an ego trip around it. And when once you can understand that if you take the ego out and you don't see yourself as so far above them that, that you're all a team and, and together, then that's where the team and the wheel starts working far more, far more harmoniously, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you see this in, in great leaders. It's like I just read this thing yesterday about um, uh, in Amazon, like every staff in Amazon for two days a year, they, everyone has to work in customer service, including yes. Jeff Bezos. Like they get on the they get on the phones, and it's like because that allows them to have an understanding uh, and an empathy for uh, you know the, the 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 team, the culture, everybody around them, what everybody else is dealing with. Um, you know, so yeah, that's that that's an example of, of of that exactly. You know, it's not like bringing yourself down. It's it's more like it's it's more like bringing people up. That's yeah. 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 And I think it's about understanding if you really want to scale a business and grow, then you need to realize that every single part of that business is equally important. Like for me, when I went from having a physical executive assistant that like, if I, I'd come in the morning from, from football training, I'd, I'd do sprint training in the morning. I'd come in, I'd have to get ready for meetings. She'd be straightening my hair while I was replying to the emails that she'd got sorted out the food would arrive at my desk like without her I could not be at peak performance and and playing sport as well and when I lost her and had to replace her it was my it was like all the wheels fell off because what do you mean I like I forgot I wouldn't eat because food didn't arrive 
and then I couldn't train because I, because I couldn't be ready on time, which then that affected my mental stability. And do you know what I mean? Like the knock on effect where other people are like, Oh, it's just an assistant. No, it's not just an assistant. Like you, you need to realize that when you're scaling a business, every single part of the puzzle is the, is an important part of the puzzle. And you, well, it's, if, if you want to have the, I mean, part of the game as an entrepreneur and scaling a business is constantly shifting the paradigm, looking for bigger and better opportunities and adding value to yourself in some way, right? So if you're not doing that, you are just keeping yourself small. It's like you can, you know, you can do all the, you know, the processes on the law of attraction all you like. It's not going to help you (laughs) if you're not you know, and learn all these personal development tactics and tools and all this kind of stuff. But it's all meaningless if you don't have the ability and the capacity to be constantly uh, making, constantly constantly evaluating your own worth, right? And that is, that's a, that's a, in business as an entrepreneur, exactly what you're talking about. The best place to start is with an assistant. Yeah. Well, this, this is a, I like you brought up worth there because when the boys from the entourage told me to get an assistant, when I looked at the reason why I didn't have one is I had low self-worth. I didn't feel like I deserved someone like that. That was not for someone like me. That was for these type of people. And it's like, regardless that I had 15 other staff, I thought that having an assistant meant a certain status or success level. And, and that wasn't for me. And that was like once that mindset shifted and you realize like, well, I'm chasing this. I want, I want this. I want to be this person. You have to be willing to step into being that person. Well, the other thing, the other thing that happens is, well, the other way I would explain that and another side to that is how much are you letting people down by not being the best version of yourself? Like you're letting your team, those 15 people that are, under your uh, under your wings, you're letting them down by you not being the best version of yourself, yeah. right? So if you're not constantly bettering yourself and making yourself worth more, then how can you make how can you make other people in the business worth more? Um, you know, I, I've always kind of liked the philosophy. I'm not sure who was it, Richard Branson, who said, you know, treat people so well. Um, yeah, you know, uh, nurture people so so well that they have the tools to leave, but treat them so well that they never want to. Yeah, they want to pay, right? So, um, you know, that's yeah. So, like, you know, some of my managers, you know, like they're like, "Hey, Monty, uh, I need some investment advice," and I'm like, "Yeah, let's talk on Saturday outside of hours," and you know, I make the time to to um to do what i can to make all these people in the business the best versions of themselves and whatever they want to learn and you know we've got things in the business we've got structures in the business where they've got time times every every quarter to like learn new stuff and there's structures for each team member to be creating um to to be teaching other other team members so whatever they're good that like they might be good at using Canva. So we get, you know, they, they do a tutorial video on Canva and then, you know, they, they do a, a mini workshop with other staff and stuff like this. And, um, 
you know, that might seem like a, a little thing, but for the Philippines, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Respect. Really, and Yeah. They don't get that in their, in their, in their culture. Um, and it, that boosts their self-worth. And my goal is to make them worth more money. It's like, you know, I'm kind of from the start, I'm like, okay, I want you to get paid more. I want you to get paid more. I want you to keep increasing your value to the point where we can't afford you anymore. Yeah. Amazing. So with what you were saying there is linking to, for me, what's coming up is you're working on their, their, their happiness as a human, right? Because when they get to contribute, when they get to grow, when they get time to work on themselves, when you, when you show that you care about them so much, you're going to give them time on your weekend, you're contributing to their happiness. And those that have followed my stuff will, will know that one of my personal quotes is happiness is the greatest hack to productivity and profitability. Now that goes for us as entrepreneurs individually and making ourselves happy, but for our staff members, can you talk to me a little bit more about uh, some of the things you do do with the culture of the business? Uh, You mentioned they get time every quarter to do some of their own growth. What other things do you do personally or do you recommend for for building culture? And and we're not talking about fucking ping pong tables and and, uh, bean bags. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So firstly, on the point of happiness, like I, I, I probably would agree, but I, I would, my personal philosophy is more around probably purpose and fulfillment because I think happiness is, is a little bit fleeting. Um, and I think people can go home at the end of the day and not be happy, but they could come to work not feeling happy. But if you give them an environment where they feel fulfilled and they have a mission and they're on purpose, um, you know, then that gives them the, the, the space at least to, um, to thrive in, in that environment, right? Um, and then, you know, ideally they take that home and then, you know, that spreads and they kind of become happy, you know, happier people. But um, I'm kind of more inclined to, I, I guess my objective with them is, yes, I want them to be happy, but it's not like we don't have like a, a happiness culture. It's more like, uh, it's more like a, purpose, mission, um, and impact culture. Um, so we do some community programs in the Philippines. Like we do some feeding programs, um, and we take groups of the, the, the staff and do like a, a day trip on the weekends and, you know, go to an orphanage and stuff like this. Uh, one's been really cool. That one's been really cool for us because, um, yeah, it's, it, it's really good for this for, for the staff like like for them to work for a company where they not only see it written on the wall that yeah we contribute to this and we do this it's it's a very different thing for somebody to be part of that and for them to actually for them to contribute and then get the opportunity and it doesn't have to be all their responsibility right because it's kind of it's kind of burdening I guess you know we live in this world where we want to make a difference, but especially for people in the Philippines, it's, it's, it's very difficult, right? Yeah. Because it's kind of a third world and developing country and they don't have that much to contribute, um, but they want to contribute. So to give them access to a means to be able to contribute and be part of something um, is, really, is really quite big for them. Um, probably the biggest thing that I would say we do is that we give them a voice, right? So... Um, you know, we have structures where, like, I'm very <clears throat> open now to listening to my managers and, and 
you know, getting their opinion on things. And I, I still, I still, you know, quite often make the final, final decisions on things, but I've learned to remove my ego a little bit and go, okay, well, yeah, you answered that question very, very well. Let's let me follow your lead on that kind of stuff. Um, and then that flows down from the managers down to the team. Um, so yeah, giving people a voice, like giving people mm. this, the, the environment where they get the opportunities to speak up and say, Hey, I'm not happy with this or Hey, I need help with this. Um, you know, I'm struggling at, at home because, you know, um, I just broke up with my, my wife and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, it's not like we're trying to get involved in their personal lives, but, but we, we want them to come to work and, and, and feel safe. Right. So if, if they are impacted in their personal lives, well, we give them the space to be able to talk about that. And we, you know, we try to help them if we can. Um, but it's usually just the process of them having the voice and having somebody to talk to and just getting it off the chest and, Hey, the reason I'm not performing at the moment is because of this, this, and this. And just feeling um, safe, right? If you feel safe, you, you can, you can get back to work when you're in, exactly. in flight mode and you don't feel safe and you feel like you've got to hide things from other people and your, your anxiety levels up. If you can't even just get it, like you said, get it off your chest or just say to people, Hey, I'm having a fragile day because I just had a breakup and, I just need a little bit of compassion. I'm going to do my best. Just being able to say that and to see people, you know, they, maybe they don't bother you if it's not urgent or just gives that breathing space and they feel safe. And I think that people can be just so much more productive and long-term yeah. for you. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, that's also part of the reason why I, I decided a few years ago not to grow a big business in outsourcing because it, it is a, it's a, small as far as businesses go it's a small margin and high volume business um, and you know people are probably familiar already with you know you call Vodafone and you know there's a call center in the Philippines and you know they've got buildings over there with thousands of people there working together and they're just kind of cookie cutter systems and you know they they don't get treated particularly well um, and to me that's just that's that's not fun it's like I, I would rather have a business where uh, I know everybody is being looked after and they have a safe environment and we have a strong culture and we have a, a strong brand. We're able to look after our clients better. Um, I'd rather do something small there and then, and then have be able to leverage off that to go and do another project like I'm doing in, in Bali or, you know, that's given me the opportun opportunity to be on the board of different companies and, you know, do consulting and advice and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's, that's my, that's not for everybody. Some people want to build big things. Um, but, uh, that's hard. The, 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 the bigger, the, the bigger the machine is, the more, uh, you know, the more people gears that, you know, the more gears that are in the system and there's the more things that can break down and more levels of management and, um, you know, it, it becomes, it becomes harder. So, yeah, I just want to give the listeners some tangible tools that they can use as well, because you run your business with some excellent technology tools as well and structures. Um, I'm just going to go right back to a second. When I talked about, when I realized how much time I was wasting doing emails and LinkedIn messages and crap that I shouldn't be doing. I was using a tool called, I think I originally started with a tool called Harvest and then I moved across to a tool called Toggle, which is an online plugin that I can literally log 
the the time that I was working on the different things and I could also record against projects or clients to analyze what I was using my time on. Uh, I know that you guys, I think you use a different thing for your staff as well. They've, Joseph talks about a screen something. That yeah, there's, there's, there's a few that we've used uh, over the years. I think the team is using, because I'm like, I'm, I'm far beyond, I'm far removed out, out, out of that these days, but uh, I think screen meter, maybe. That's it, screen meter. Um, screen meter. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's just a, it's a, it's a time tracking tool uh, and there's different versions, there's different ones. And I mean, for running, for running stuff, um, I've kind of got mixed thoughts about it because um, certainly where, like if you're an agency and you need to track somebody's time and how many hours they put in something so that you can bill it out to your clients, well, that's a different thing. But I, I'm, I'm not of the opinion, like if I have a staff where I have to monitor the fact that, you know, they're getting paid out eight hours a day and I don't trust they're working eight hours a day and I have to that's monitor it. them. I mean, that to me is like, that's a slippery slope and I, I don't want to engage in that. Um, we do that for clients from time to time, but the, the reason we do that um, is more so kind of like a, like a reset, like a little evaluation kind of thing to so that the client gets some insight into you know, where, how much time is being spent on certain, certain tasks so it's like, okay, well, you know, you're a little bit slow on, uh, on, on video, you know, creating videos. Okay. Well, that's not your specialty, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, just focus on graphic design and we'll give the video to production to yeah. somebody else. So I think it's, it's more great like for efficiencies. Like for yeah, me, for it was like realizing for realizing what I don't need to be spending time on and the hours I could give away. Um, but also going, okay, what is taking too long? And I think this is great for all staff to do at some stage, not to do every day, necessarily unless you are yeah. billing out to clients but to go okay actually we take too long to do that like we found out with um, one of my assistants I had from you on the technical side I was like why is it taking you so long to do this and what he was doing was transcribing my videos himself like by watching them and typing it I was like yeah. oh no we, we can use rev or some software that can save you so much time and then you can be more productive. And I'm, and he's like, great. Cause I hate having to sit there and like, blah, 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 blah. Like yeah. just y- utilizing it to, to find out some efficiencies. What's the yeah, other and also, t- also like, so the, the big one that we find on that one is, is sometimes computers can be slow, right? Mm. Because it's like sometimes, uh, especially with creative endeavors, you know, like, you know, like I got, I got uh, video editors and, they it, it takes up a lot of CPU to, to render high resolution videos, yeah. and and it's like okay, well, how can we keep them productive? You know, like if they've got a slow machine, it could literally take a half a day, and they might be sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. Whereas to me, it's far better that a either we get them a faster machine or we get them a second, second machine, machine. Yeah. and then they can just be working the whole time, right? So, yeah. um, you know, look. look yeah, there's lots of, lots of reasons to, to do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it's all about optimizing, I guess, people's uh, capacity. Um, so, yeah, like in terms of, um, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, one of my things is these days I'm very, very thorough and rigid on the processes that we use in communication. Yeah, talk um, us through those because thing- you, you use a few different things for that. Well, so we use uh, we use Trello for our, our task management, and then we use 
uh, Slack, right? So we use Slack for internal communications and chats and updates and stuff like that. Um, but over the years, I've learned that a lot of time can get eaten up and consumed just in, in bad communication practices, right? So any new staff that gets onboarded, especially as part of my team, they kind of have to go through a, a process of learning exactly how to communicate. So example, if you message somebody on Slack, right? Well, you have to tag them first of all. You have because... Don't expect you know, them just to find it. <laughs> don't expect them just to find it. Um, and always, always acknowledge the message, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're on the receiving end, just say, Thumbs okay, up. got it, <laughs> received, Thumbs up. Uh, um, yeah, well noted. Um, you know, wh whatever. And for you as a leader, also that that is that's good practice because for you to be able to train other people to do like that. Because if you send somebody a message and you assume that they got it because it says seen on there, or you know, it's like email's a perfect example. Like emails go missing all the time, right? But then what happens is people use the missing as an excuse for not responding. It's like, oh, I didn't see your message, right? And then they, it becomes an excuse and then that becomes like this spiral wow. of, you know, excuses and, and reasons and then it's like, okay, well, they weren't online for 30 minutes because they're out the back smoking or whatever and it's like, oh, I didn't see your message. And it's like, if you just booby trap the system so that yeah. there is the right communication practices and acknowledgements, um, then you can avoid all that stuff because there's a, you get, you lose time in having to go back and forth chasing things. You you'll potentially lose time on things not getting done. Um, but then even bigger than that, you lose time on, you know, people's bad productivity and bad culture. And then you've got to replace mm -hmm. people. And you know, it's, it's, it's good communication practices. Um, I think is something that can make a make or break a business. Yeah. I love it. Can make or break friendships too. I had a friend that uh, basically broke up with me because he didn't realize I was overseas and sent me a text message that I didn't respond to because I was yeah. running on a barley sim and then sent a message via LinkedIn, which got captured by my assistant, but because it was not marked as urgent, she put it in my to get to like, not as an not as important, not as urgent. And a few days went by. And when I rang him for his birthday, he didn't take my call. And then I sent messages and he came back me. And he's like, I don't have time for people like you that don't get back to me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, hold on, you're blaming me, but you didn't check that I was overseas. You sent it to a text message. You know that I have an assistant that, and the message was clearly not important. And he went, oh, actually, yeah, maybe we're both, both at fault. Yeah. could have ended a friendship. Think about yeah, that on the, think about what that could happen in the workplace with client for a client or for a project, like simple well, things. And, and the thing on that is I train people to communicate to me, um, like to follow up with me. So I'll mm -hmm. be like, um, if so like I'll, I might say to Joseph, Hey Joseph, can you follow up about with the, if I don't respond today, message me about this tomorrow. Yeah. Right? So, People are trained by me. I, I allow people to follow up with me, right? Yes. Because I would um, sometimes, you know, there's days when there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts and there's lots of messages and there's lots of things going on um, and something might slip through the cracks. But if they're trained to come back to me, 
and go, hey, Monty, just following up on this. And they're, they're trained to do that where it's not, a, they're not doing it as a burden, right? Yes. Because people will not do it because they don't want to bother you. They don't want to I, I tell you. my assistants to have to manage me. Your job is to manage me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so if I, I'm not I getting would, something done, you need to follow me up and make sure it gets done. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, like it's, it's at the point for me where I don't have hundreds of people bothering me. I've got a handful of people who I have that kind of relationship with. So um, it's not like I'm being bombarded all the time with different messages from thousands of mm. people because, you know, it's kind of culled down to you know, a dozen people or so. Yeah, awesome. So if you were going to give your average business owner uh, a couple of tools or processes that you think they should introduce for running a scaling up team, what would mm. they be? Um, so going back to that thought before of clearing your plate, right? So constantly evaluating, right? What's on my plate right now? And what can I, what's low value that I can give away? And so you're always going through that process of uh, making sure you're working at high value and giving away low value, which means you're constantly needing to put in more resources, more people to complete that work, right? Um, so I kind of have a process of, you know, like an exercise, unpacking exercise, um, and to kind of give people the bones of that. Um, if you were to make a list of everything that you do in a day. And this is a very valuable exercise for people to go through, even if they feel like, you know, they're not ready for a staff or whatever, right? It's a very valuable exercise to get some visibility to what you're doing. And I like use this for creating your ideal week, just for yeah. planning your own week. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the way the, so the process is you put, you write down everything and then you mark it in one of three categories, right? And Category one, we'll say, is only is high value stuff that only you can do, right? So it might be the case that all right, well, nobody else can do, uh, nobody else can do client consultation, you know, uh, prospect consultations. No, nobody else can do that. Only I can do that. Okay, well, cool. I'm happy with that. I want to do more of that so I can build a business. The the third level, the third category is. All right, here's something that I know I can give away, right? This is something that can definitely be done by somebody else. I definitely do not have to do this. And this, I know that somebody else could do it. So like cleaning it could my be shower. the case. Well, yes, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely a good one. In the context of business, you know, like one thing might be example, you know, like doing videos for Instagram, you know, people like doing that. Uh, it's like, oh, I love the process of spending three hours creating an Instagram video. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. You love the process. That's beautiful. But is it the best use of your time for the business? The answer probably is no. And could you easily get somebody else to do that is the question, right? So if your business is, you know, video production, then it, it might be a different thing. But if it's just a tactic inside the business, which has an assumed... Uh, overall value to your social media marketing campaign and all this kind of stuff. It's like it might not be and probably isn't the best use of your time, right? So you could say, all right, I can definitely give that to somebody else. I even then outsourced the grid making now. I Like it wasn't the highest best use of my time to be going through all of my own photos and figuring out what layout they should go. So I just outsource that to an agency now. Yeah, exactly. So, um yeah, there's that category, which is, you know, and that's a bit of a learning as well to 
to decide for yourself, right, that, ah, oh, okay, well, yeah, I definitely don't have to do that, right? Somebody else is best to do that. Now, in this process of going through that and giving tasks away, because then you're filling your, your plate then with higher value activities, what that means is the next kind of level of things start to shift down, right? So then the next kind of level of low value activities might at some point have been high value activities, right? It's mm. constantly shifting. And then if you look at- And you're raising, like then you're raising and you're raising and you're raising. And if you look at somebody like Richard Branson, it's like, I mean, he's got leaders of every, of every business and it's like he just comes up with an idea and it's like he just makes a phone call and he's got, yep, all right, you do this. And then that person does everything. Um, you know, so he's somebody like him has just been doing it so well for such a long time that it's just at that point where, you know, probably takes him one minute to create something in a business which might take somebody else a whole lifetime, right? Yeah. And if you think about it, that's all he's ever done, right? He's just cleared his plate of low value, filled it with high value, put people in place to do the low value. Um, so there's the first category, which is I know you can do the third category, which is low value, definitely know you can give away. And then the middle category is, okay, well, maybe I could give it away, but I'm not really not sure, right? This is a maybe, okay? Well, if you just forget about that one and just give away the low value and then you fill your plate with high value, well, then next time around, that middle one is probably shifted to the side and because you have more focused on high value activities, you're probably having different levels of conversation with people in business. And then it's like, Oh, you attract a, a project director. It's like, Oh, well, I didn't know I could get somebody to do that. I thought maybe I could, but then you met somebody because you had the time and space now to have those conversations and you went bogged down on doing videos or whatever. It's like, <laughs> then you found that, that project director and go, Oh wow, this is amazing. And then through that, then you might find, you know, a partnership opportunity or, or whatever. Right, mm -hmm. so that's where you find opportunities to expand and and scale. Um, so there's a lot of benefits and side benefits to this process, and it's not just okay. Well, I've got to get my emails handled today. It's like yeah, sure, you do need to do that, but in the in the in the the grand scheme of scaling, there's there's a lot of unseen benefits to going through this process. Yeah, I love it. I use it for, like I said, for, for life in general. So when I, when I teach people how to do the ideal week, I get them to go through and to literally write down every single thing that you do in a week, everything you have to do, everything you want to do, all the dreams that you say you want to work on that you don't have time on, get that all down. And then I get them to categorize them into energies as well. And then the, what do you have to do? Don't have to do like, I don't, well, I'm kind of, I realized when I was running my first two businesses at 21 that something that was not a high value for me was cleaning my house. And I've had a cleaner for the last 20 years because that's just not good use of my time. And it, yeah. it does feel awkward sometimes if you're walking from home, working from home and the cleaner's cleaning around you, you've got to get over your self-worth things yeah. there and go like, this is better value. But look, there's, there's so many efficiencies that you can find. And when you actually start thinking about how, can I unpack my life? How can I unpack my, my work? How can I find more time for me to be in highest, best use? Yeah, and look, the, there's, there's a few barriers to why people don't do this. And one of them, as you mentioned before, is there's a self-worth thing for people, which is an unconscious, unseen thing. Um, 
But the biggest one is, is, as I mentioned before, it's financial. It's like, okay, if you're doing reasonably well in business, let's say you're a consultant and you make $120,000 a year, right? And it's like, okay, well, but you don't have a virtual assistant. You don't have, but you can handle everything yourself, right? And then all of a sudden you got to pay, take 30 and you, you, you become used to a certain way of living with that 120,000, yeah. right? Now here's where the barrier comes in is because you, you, you build your lifestyle around the money you make and then all of a sudden you think that, okay, well, I've got to spend 30 and, with the, and you don't necessarily see the value on the other side of that because it's only a bet. It's only a thought. It's like it's a maybe thing. I've still got to do that work. Um, so one of the biggest barriers is people don't want to take money out of their pocket. They would rather keep that for themselves and be stuck where they're at. Like this is yeah. a limiting thing. And this is, you know, there's a, a lot of things like, exactly. And like somebody like Gary V is an example, right? It's like, you know, I, I don't like everything that Gary talks about, but one thing I do agree with is that, you know, just for a long, long time, he worked hard and he just, every spare cent that he had stayed in the business and is working for him. And it's, if you can remove that instant gratification factor, you will scale so much easier. Right, yeah. because then you've got the mindset of, okay, well, I've got a, the money that I'm making, I'm going to put back back into the business. I'm going to make that work for me, um, and you, you you don't want to do that forever, of course. But there will be tipping points along the journey where you reach certain milestones, milestones, where you have enough team in place, you have enough structure in place, where you then start to get the freedom. It's like, okay it'll there'll be an accumulation factor a compounding factor and there will be a time where you will be financially rewarded you will be rewarded with time yeah and that like you said that's not just financially rewarded rewarded with time if i didn't have assistance yeah. i wouldn't be able to go surfing in the morning because i would have someone has to get to the emails and if i don't go surfing in the morning or i don't do some sport then I start to implode. Like my mental health goes down, my anxiety goes up. I don't get grounded. My ideas don't get there. There's no space for me to 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 reconnect into my soul. Like, and that the detrimental effect on the business. Like, it's evident. Like my sister can see it. if I haven't been in the water, or I've, I've not done my exercise or my surfing. She'll be like, I can feel your energy from here. You just drop everything, go for a surf. I'm like, I've got all this stuff to do. She's like, you're going to do a really shit job of that if you do it now. Yeah. So you, the, well, you started that by saying, if I didn't have assistance, I couldn't go surfing, right? I would say, if you didn't have surfing, you wouldn't have assistance. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree. Let's use that as a segue. Okay. So what habits have you got that allow you to step into the best version of you? Surfing being one of them, we'll talk about your journey back to surfing. Um, because yeah. for me, the habit of surfing is what's brought me into my power now because I didn't do it for 17 years and I had to work my way back. I know you did a knee back when you were about 21 when you'd only just started stand-up surfing and getting off of your laying down, off your belly. <laughs> when you found you finally found your legs and then someone took them out from under you. Um, yeah. Let's Let's... Give, give us your, firstly, give us your history of surfing, the Monty okay. history All of right. surfing, and then let's go into the habits that you have that make you a high performance entrepreneur. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned in the intro that I 
kind of went off the rails and I was <laughs> stealing boats and stuff. Um, so what happened with me was when I was young, I grew up in inner s- city, Sydney, and um, it's probably around the wrong people. And I was at a young age, you know, 11, 10, even I was like breaking into houses and stealing boats and doing some, you know, dumb shit. And um, then we moved to Queensland to the Sunshine Coast and I just instantly, I already had a kind of a connection affinity, I guess, with the ocean because I was sailing and, and stuff. But um, I started bodyboarding at 13 and I had just had an instant affinity with the ocean and being in the waves. And, um, you know, my, my dad, like if I got into trouble, my dad would, he would confiscate my bodyboard. Right. And, um, but he didn't realize the importance of the flippers, right? So bodyboarding, you've got flippers. And <laughs> so if there's a cyclone swell, I'd be out there like body surfing with the flippers uh, on, still getting barrels. And um, so I, I really think that- Did he figure that teenager, out and start no, taking the flippers instead? <laughs> no, didn't, I didn't let on. So I, I think as a teenager, it was surfing that really changed the trajectory of, of my life, I think. Like it was the thing that kind of just grounded me, gave, gave me an outlet, I guess. Um, and, you know, it wasn't always productive. Well, you know, it's debatable, but I skipped school a lot. Um, I hated school and I would go surfing a lot. And, um, uh, but, you know, I, it was far better for me to be in the ocean than it was, you know, stealing, boosting, <laughs> stealing boats. boosting boats or whatever, right? Um, so I bodyboarded and I was quite good. I used to compete and, you know, I surfed in some big heavy waves and I was very comfortable in the ocean and, um, you know, I was doing flips and 360s and all sorts of stuff. Uh, and then at around 21, I went to Bali and I bought a surfboard and I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn to surf. And I spent a few months kind of learning and I blew my knee out because I had a very, because I was so comfortable in big waves, but I wasn't proficient on the surfboard. My naive confidence was far greater than my proficiency on the surfboard. So I was just taking off on waves on reefs that I just should, I had no business being around, being in. Um, so I blew my knee out and then I just literally didn't surf for, you know, 20 years. I surfed, oh, I paddled out, you know, I went for a couple of paddles, maybe a dozen times in 20 years. I think and I then had last 10 times year, in 17. Yeah. And then I, I think because surfing is such a, uh, a unique fitness as well, it's like, it's so frustrating when you get out there and you paddle and you're just exhausted after like that. You know, you can't even push yourself to stand up and you just fall 27 on. seconds. And you know, it's, it's, it's a hard sport if you're not doing it all the time. Um, and then last year I bought a new board. I was kind of in a different headspace as well. You know, a lot of learnings from a relationship and kind of, you know, and nagging trajectory. from a friend about why you at commune and you don't have a board and yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, some girl named Jade was like, you should get a surfboard. I'm like, yeah. I'm Mainly right. to keep me company so I don't feel like such a loser by <laughs> <Anyway>. myself. <laughs> yeah. So last year, it was only like September, October, I bought this board. Oh, it's behind me. Um, it's a 6.4 Cymatic. It's 46 litres. It's got a lot of volume. And the thing is ridiculously fast and agile. And I was just like, straight away, I was just like surfing. I could paddle because it's got so much volume. And I was straight away surfing, riding waves, and and I've kind of been hooked ever since. I just spent another few days up at Commune, at two. Yeah, you just rubbed it in the, just before, didn't you? You're like, how was the how's yeah. the waves there this morning? I'm like, oh, I surfed D-bar and I was a sloppy 
fucking bumpy mess. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, commune was pumping. Yeah, it was. It was pretty Fuck you. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Bali's, Bali's pretty good for that. Bali's good for a lot of reasons, but it was very, yeah, the surf here is very consistent, so it's a good place. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's also a reflection, like me taking up surfing of – because I, I, I hustled for so many years, right? And I was always in that mindset of, like, I've got to work, I've got to work, I've got to work. And the truth was, I did need to. I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I didn't, if I didn't do that. Mm. Um, did I need to do it the way I did without any fun and without any surfing? No, of course I did not. You know, there should have been more of a balance. Um, but I, I think having that ex- extreme focus is the thing now I'm... I'm so hyper-focused on my health, my nutrition. Um, I'm doing yoga, police. I'm in the gym three times a week. I, I, I literally exercise two to three times a day. Um, I'm very, like, super, super disciplined on my food and everything, and um, I track all my movements. I was going to say, tell us about the, the funky thing on your arm. Uh, it's called a whoop strap, which is W-H-O-O. OP whoop strap, um, whoop, whoop. and one of the measures of this is is uh, heart rate variability. So heart rate variability is a uh, there's a lot of research and science now around heart rate variability being a measure for overall overall health um, and relationship between your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system. So having a greater heart rate variability um, is a reflection of health and doing all things around practices around mindfulness and meditation and all these kind of things they actually improve and help your heart rate variability so um because i'm a data guy and i like spreadsheets and i like numbers and stuff it's like this is to me is my jam and you know i i i probably now uh, i would say i spend equal amount of time every day on my exercise tracking nutrition and all this kind of stuff and in that world as i do on the business yeah. So, um, to me, and why it's do you think like, that's important? Uh, to me, it's 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 sharpening the axe, right? It is 100 percent of the sharpening the axe, and you know, there's that old, you know, philosophy of, uh, and the way I was before is like, okay, give me an axe, I will spend six hours like hacking down a tree, just going at it, going hack, 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 and now it's like you're nearly dead. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then now it's like, okay, well, let me sit on this. Let me just sit here for four hours, slowly sharpening the axe, you know, being in a Zen state, sharpening the axe, being grounded. And then I can attack something for one or two hours with so much more efficiency and productivity. Um, And even more so than that, I would have five other people with sharp axes you know, and chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. chainsaws going, going nuts. I just um, I want to anchor around that. So the 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 saying "sharpen the axe" and the the principle behind that comes from um, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I read that many many years ago. And it's if you think of a sporting analogy, if you think of a soccer player, right, top top level soccer player, how many hours do they spend on the field striking and aiming for goal before they have their maybe couple of kicks on the field right yeah. if you if you don't do the time to to hone the skill then you're not going to you're not going to hit the goals right and that goes i think for so many different things in our life and our business like you need to spend the time 
bettering yourself and growing. Like a, I, I firmly believe a, a business will never outgrow the mindset of the founder. So if you aren't constantly learning and bettering yourself and looking for efficiencies and looking to consume better ways to do things, then you're, you're going to stagnate. If you aren't pushing yourself with your health and fitness, then you're going to turn into a fat old person that can't function properly, right? And yeah. that starts to affect your mental game too. So it's all it's all going to have a knock-on effect. So what are the, well, what are, and it's 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 also no fun, right? It's like because I, I spent a lot of years, you know, building businesses, and I, I had a different business back before two thousand and eight, which I lost with a global financial crisis, and um, you know, even after that, I just became more motivated. It's like I'm more inspired. I'm going to work even harder, and um, you know, in reflection, there was uh, there's a lot of times where it just wasn't fun. I wasn't I wasn't enjoying it, right? It's like if I don't have the time even to go for a surf or whatever, it's like, well, what's the point of it all? So, uh, but the paradox is, had I have not done all that, I wouldn't be in the state that I'm in now and have this paradigm where it's completely shifted in, in the, in, to the degree that it has now. Um, so I don't kind of regret all of that. But if, if I was going to be able to give something to somebody else, I would say, you know, find, I, I don't like the term balance. I don't really believe in, in, in balance um, but find you know I, I do think that spending time sharpening the axe especially working on this vessel that you've got um, you only get one meat suit for this lifetime it's 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 going to make all the difference in the world to how you how you perform day to day how you show up um, and things like you know you don't realize things like um, you know, it's, it's still such an unworld, uh, unknown world, I think, around how nutrition affects mood and stuff oh. like that. And it's like, and how you you are a leader and how you should be, you know, if you've come from the gym and you're eating like, you know, 95% vegan food and you're kind of fit and healthy and you feel good, and it's like, I mean, you're going to show up as a different person. You're going to be so much more powerful. Oh. If anyone does a seven-day sugar challenge or anything like that and just see how different a human you are, the difference in brain fogs. Like I went wild fit two years ago and I did, I never ate a lot of sugar anyway, but um, going through I'm sugar-free, preservative-free, GMO-free and eat less meat now, the difference in the brain fog and the alertness and the sharpness is ridiculous. And for other people that I've seen come off sugar, which is, in my opinion, the most dangerous drug in the world and the sugar monster that comes out and the mood swings and the crashes and how they perform. And then what happens afterwards when they stabilize and able to get clarity is ridiculous. And we don't realize how poisonous that, that white death is. Yeah. And I I think part of the reason for that is just because we're so it's just indoctrinated into us the, the the food that we were brought up on and we actually think that breakfast lunch and dinner is a thing it's like i mean human body is not designed for breakfast lunch and dinner right that's some that's a societal you know that was a marketing in, scam indoctrination um so i do i do very regular fasting um i do intermittent fasting uh, most days like the the, the times change. I'm not super rigid with it because it depends on how much energy I'm consuming in a day or whatever. But um, I'm always doing some kind of fasting. Every three months at least I do some kind of cleanse and that might be four days with no food. It might be just a three-day juice fast. depends on how I feel at the time. Um, but there's always some kind of cleansing and, and, and fasting 
happening. Um, like, yeah, I, it, it sounds difficult. Like people, I spoke with somebody last night. I was like, yeah, uh, I just did a four-day colon cleanse. I didn't eat for four days. Like, oh, I could never do that. It's like, yeah, I used to think that too. I but when to you do it, like yeah, but it, like what's on the other side of that is like the, the benefits are just mind-blowing. Like you, you just feel like a different human. Do you know Adrian Reed that owns um, Tropicola and used to be a part owner in like Mexicola and um, Bondi Icebergs and all of those? He's in Bali. Uh, Adrian Reed. Um, he looks like the Australian sure. Kelly Slater. Blunt, blue eyes, bored, uh, loud, but yeah, he runs he, Mexicola, Tropicola, okay. all those things. Um, yeah. I met Adrian at a, at a Mind Valley event. And he said he, he's highly sensitive to energies. And he's, there's 400 people in the room. And he goes, I was feeling everyone has energy. And this is what the first time I met him. He goes, and I can feel you over there. And you're like, your energy is just like all fucked up, sister. He's like, you've got to get your shits on. And I'm like, yeah. nice to meet you, strange man. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, and then anyway, long story, ended up inviting us to, to Bali and coming to the house, meeting with his mentor. And... Um, getting some mentoring from him and he said, okay, you guys need to do a juice cleanse. And I'm like, I have irritable, irritable gut. Like I don't eat vegetables or fruit, like the thought of it. I, and sometimes when I eat them, I physically vomit blood. Like this is not a thing for me. No. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? His mentor and him, you're going to stare at a rice patty for three days and do some forgiveness because all of your trauma is stored in your gut and you're doing a juice cleanse and you can, you can do this. I was like, these guys are fucking mad. Like I'm going to die. How am I going to do this? Anyway, I did, I did the rice patty staring, did the healing of the forgiveness. And I lived on juice for 11 days, like yes. fruit that fruit that I could never eat before healed my irritable bowel, healed my irritable gut. I wasn't hungry. I felt amazing. We flew to Thailand and did a Tantra retreat. Like as a yeah. what, buzzing. what people, what people don't realize is that, the the relationship between the efficiency of the body and the output that you have as a human, as an entrepreneur especially, um, is so critical. And what happens is when you fast or when you allow the digestive system to stop, that's one thing. There's, there's of course, the nutrition that you're putting in. So if you stop putting stuff in and you just put juice in, it's like you get boosted you know, nutrition and stuff. Like that's one thing. But the bigger thing is by letting your digestion stop, what your body then does is it starts to heal itself, right? So every animal, if you ever notice a dog, when it gets sick, it doesn't eat, right? It stops eating. Every animal, except for humans, because grandma said, if you're sick, eat your chicken soup. Right? <laughs> well, actually, what, we, what, what happens is we should stop, right? We should slow down. We should not eat like our digestion. Um, now, don't take this verbatim. I'm not a qualified doctor, but I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, and what I know to be true is that when you let your digestive system stop, your body starts to heal and repair itself. Um, and like you said, you can heal yourself from all sorts of little things, nagging little things that you've just lived with for the longest time. Um, but people don't kind of put that much attention on it because it's like, oh, it's just a small thing. I can live with it, right? And oh. it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal because you've always lived with it. But when you don't have that and like you rid yourself of lots of small things, it's like how you feel is just different. It's just my, like my whole body composition, everything changed. I trained, I was back then I used to train 38 hours a week when I was playing football and 
I should have been the fittest that I've ever been. I, I had a dietitian, like we had weight trainers and sprint trainers and fucking everything. And just by changing my diet and being able to go to this, people look at me now and they're like, what work did you have done? <laughs> what happened to yeah. you? You're, you're, you're 10 years younger than what you were. I don't have the, the aches and the pains that I used to have, the issues that I used to have yeah. purely by, by shifting this. But more importantly, the, for me, it's that mental, the not having the brain, the brain fog. Yeah. I mean, I'm 72 years old. I mean, <laughs> you're going to look a day over 71, darling. Yeah, thank you. But no, like if there's any any kind of advice or something I can give to people is, is really place a high importance on um, all those other things. I think it's kind of like a bit of a gateway thing, right? It's like if you can start with something as easy like nutrition or do one kind of fast or something um, and then from there, um, you know, that becomes a gateway and then you learn about meditation and then you, yeah. you know, do some plant medicine or whatever and that opens up you know, spirituality and self-awareness and all these different things. Tell me, have you done plant medicine? I've done, I've done lots. I've done plenty of stuff. Yeah. I didn't ask you at the beginning if anything was off limits. Can can Uh, you, can you tell us a bit? I can't believe, how have we not had this conversation before? I've got no idea. Because I don't actively, I don't, it's not part of my identity that I need to talk about it, right? No, I I thought maybe when we did the mind valley, uh, when we did our, our, um, our mastermind yeah, might have come uh, up, but unless unless it comes up in conversation, I, I, I I'm very, I guess, mindful about who I share this kind of stuff with. Um, I think also You're there's about a to lot share of it with the whole world. spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual people, right? And it's like they need everybody to to know about you know the yoga mat that they're carrying around, and they need to know they need to let everybody know that they're spiritual. It's like. Um, the most spiritual people that I know, you wouldn't know are spiritual because no. they don't need to go sell themselves as spiritual, which is the true thing around spirituality yeah. is it, you're without ego, right? You, you don't need to show up. Advertise it. Yeah. Well, so, I'm very look, interested I mean, in this I, though because I've... All these tattoos are from visions that I've had doing ayahuasca. Oh, like, really? Um, yeah. So well, I've, this is something I'm to... really interested in because I've, I've been feeling called for a little while um, so I'm really interested in people's journeys and stories and, um, how, yeah, how, how has it played out for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been a little bit weird and I've had spiritual experiences. Since I was I was young. So, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I've always been, I, I think tapped into something, but I kind of, you know, had it switched off for a very long time. Um, so I've had a lot of out of body experiences and stuff when I was young. So I, I, I've always had that recall of, you know, this is not it, right? What yeah. we, this, this kind of experience that we're having is not everything. Um, and I was totally called to go to Peru and do ayahuasca. Um, and I learned about it through, you know, reading books and watching videos and stuff. Um, but I feel like I was totally called to go there. Uh, I think there's a lot of bad practice around that kind of stuff. Like there's people mm-hmm. doing it just to get high and, you know, as a recreational as a experience, gimmick, a recreational gimmicky. experience. And, um, you know, that's, that's of no interest to me. I, I do have a lot of interest in going inward and having introspection into um, the relationship that I have with my ego and that I have with other people and having reflections of myself. And um, I think that's where the deepest learnings certainly come from. Um, mm. I think it's we can spend a lot of time going to seminars and learning 
from books and doing learning all these tools and tactics and all this kind of stuff. But I think the greatest lessons come from when we have the courage to to go to go inwards. Um, so yeah, to me that was kind of the I've always been called to do that kind of work. Uh, so I've done so I spent uh, five days doing a retreat in. Peru with a shaman from the jungle. It was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. And since then, I've done uh, multiple different ceremonies and different things. I've done like cambo, which is the frog frog medicine. And yeah, um, I so, have, yeah I I've never gotten into mushrooms or anything. But uh, I went straight to DM, DM, <laughs> DMT MEO five, so straight yeah. to toe. Where when I went. And they're like, so you've done ayahuasca, you've done this, you've done that, you've done chemo. I'm like, no, I've done none of it. And they're, yeah. and they're like, what about mushrooms? I'm like, oh, not since I was like in high school. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, and I found, I felt, re- I, I actually felt called to go do it. Like I, I, and so far, so like I felt called and I was like, okay, next time I go overseas and I'm with, um, I've got a couple of friends that I know that are shamans. So I was like, oh, I'll reach out to them. But then I, as I was feeling this calling, I met someone, random stranger, I was talking about, um, I was talking about some books that I read, like uh, Conversations with God. I was talking about Stephen Kotler um, and Altered States. And this guy just came and said, oh, can I talk to you? Because no one else seems to get, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this. And we were just at um, Burley Barbecue Bazaar and I had a chat to him. He's like, oh, I actually did Toad last weekend and it released all this stuff about this trauma I had with my ex-wife and what I was going through and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, tell me where. And I need to go. Because yeah. like, but the, the strange thing for me is I, and even with hypnotherapy, I find I have a blocker where I can't get back to things. So I did two journeys with my, with my toad and I cannot remember that. Everyone's like, you'll, you'll, it'll come back over days. Cannot remember anything except for one shooting off into the universe and looking back on myself with my ego freaking out going, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. But I didn't feel like I freaked out. Like when I came back, yeah. but what happened was, I came back, there was another lady that was too scared to journey. She'd done ayahuasca not long before and she was having this struggle because she comes from a religious family and she thought if she did this one thing, that would be the break and she finally would be spiritual, not religious. And so she was too scared to go because of that. And when I came back, I spent five minutes having a whole conversation with her about her life. And she's like, you wasted your journey getting my message. And I don't actually remember anything for me and then you just see this video of me and her having this interaction bringing her her story and so mm. i feel called to do the ayahuasca but i'm also i have this like yeah i think what do i my, need to work on first to get there yes my what i'm what i'm hearing with you also if i'm going to kind of look beyond the look beyond the words also is um quite often obviously you know, so people like me and you are very interested in bettering ourselves and there's also a lot of fixing in that as well, right? It's like, okay, I need to fix what's broken, right? I need to be better, right? There's a lot of kind of drive there, um, which is why I love the process of the one in Peru, which was really ceremonial and it was like a retreat, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you can immerse yourself in that environment and just kind of let go of everything else that's happening in your life, Right, and just be fully immersed and fully present in that experience. Um, I, I think that would be something better for somebody like you, right? Yeah. Because you're very like on the go and in your hand. It's like, okay, I'm going to go do this ceremony, and then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like this, and right. So it's it was almost 
It Can sounds find to me like working inside and fix that fucker. <laughs> well, not just that. It's more about the, the speed of it, right? It's yeah. like, um, so I, I think it would be amazing for you to go and do two weeks in the jungle or something and like yeah. switch off from everything and do like really go deep um, and just be immersed in that experience. I think that would be and that's what the I'm, best that's thing what for you. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. feel cool and to I, that. I feel like the journey. Because, yeah, and me knowing you is like, you know, you're so driven and you're so on the go all the time and that's your gift, but it's also your Achilles heel as well. So you're going to learn to, you know, switch that off. And it's not about um, not being like that. It's about um, knowing how you get to be the one to choose to use that whenever is the right time for you or not. Right. Because we have these default mechanisms that also they work for us and they don't work for us. Um, I'm the same, like my background has been very impatient, right? And to some, on some levels that works for me because, um, and I was also very arrogant, like, and that worked for me because it got me, I could push my way doors open, I could kick doors down. Um, but, you know, it's not good for lasting relationships and things like that. So, um, you know, with every gift that we have, there's, there's, a, there's a flip side to that, which kind of is our Achilles heel. Um, so it's knowing how to have the awareness of how to switch switch it on and off in ways that works for you and it not need to um not yeah so you get to control all of that and i think by taking yourself out of your everyday life and switching off from everything will give you some really great insights into that um and look i think this is a, this is a conversation for you but uh, if people other people listening to this resonate with that in some way then you know maybe investigate that but i also don't think it's right for everybody no. and it's you know like some some people will go oh you know you need healing you should go and do ayahuasca and it's like no, there's different things. There's different modalities. There's no right or wrong. There's no certain way for different, you know, for everybody. Um, you know, I, I agree with the idea that um, to be called to go and do something is, you know, follow the follow the signs and don't do it because somebody else told you you should do it because you need. Or it seems cool that everyone's doing it and yeah. they they came back like because there's a lot of people that come back with very cool tattoos and it seems like a status thing to have done it or. Uh, a rite of passage or you get the cool thing or have the cool vision. Yeah. yeah. It, it don't do it cause it's cool. Don't do it cause it's trendy. No. Don't no. like, cause there's, I know there's places, people here that are promoting themselves as spiritual coaches and they help you up level your business by tapping into your spirituality and they all go and they lick toads or do ayahuasca and stuff. And actually a lot of the people, they, they probably needed to do some healing first. Like I don't think, I would have been ready to do any of this stuff without doing the three days of just staring at a rice paddy and not eating. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, um, yeah, when it comes to giving the listeners, you know, like if I was going to say, what has this done for me? Right, so what are people going to get out of it? I, I, I think the thing for me, what it's, what it's allowed me to do is tap into certainly tap into more flow, right? So where I'm at right now, I have a much greater ability to the way I describe it is I can make things move around me rather than me being the one to move. That's the way I describe it. And, you know, you might liken that to being in flow or or whatever. And and I I do believe that me constantly having introspection, going through processes um, like ayahuasca has allowed me to 
be able to tap into that. It's not because of ayahuasca that I am the way that I am right now. It's no. just a part of it. It's just a yeah. piece of it. It has given me like that little slither, like that little nugget. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And then there's just like, um, you know, it tilts me this direction just slightly and it's just constantly kind of correcting uh, correcting me back, I think. It just kind of yeah. keeps me... Um, Keeps me keeps me tuned to what is my north star. I love it. What I what I really love about you is even when I met you a few years ago, because you do have this persona of a, a very hard charging, no bullshit, uh, confident businessman. That a lot of people I don't think would would see that spirituality side of you or that that softness and and see how that really serves who you are today and the success that you've got today. Yeah, and again, I, I I don't mind that that duality. I guess it, it's one thing that I learned a long time ago was that um, you know I I had this arrogance, and I, I did get some insights. I'm like, ah, oh, you're a dick, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're a dick. Like you've been a dick. Um, but what I realized was it's not about like uh, I can I can still be that. I can still have that. But as long as, no, but no, no, no. As, as long as I, as long as I control it, like, because we have these default mechanisms as humans that we don't, they're unconscious and we don't necessarily see. And then what happens is we try to unlearn things and go, Oh, you know, I don't want to be like that anymore. But as I mentioned before, all these things that we have, they work for us and they also work for against us. So yeah. it's not about not being a certain way. It's about, having the awareness that, oh, I can switch that on in a moment. It's like I can be arrogant when I need to. Like if you put me in a, in a business setting, you put me in a room of like 12 CEOs, I'll, I'll own the room, right? But you put me in a different environment where I, 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 need, to be, I need to be soft and it's like you know, I, I, I know when to just keep my mouth shut. So I, I have the, those tools I think and kind of I know – I know how to access them and tap into them rather than just being like, go, 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 arrogant, kick down doors, and which is how I was before. I, um, I don't know if you know, <laughs> but you gave me some feedback when, we, when I did the Global Impact Leaders Mastermind uh, at Commune that crushed me, <laughs> but it served me. Um, yeah. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, and, I do, and, and, and this, is what it, this, is, this is one of my ongoing things is I... I, I have a lot of these interactions with people and um, I, I am very honest and I'm very, I'm quite brutal in my approach. I don't have, I don't really have filters. I, I think I'm a very good mentor. I'm a terrible coach because there's no, there's no dancing around with me. It's like, if I see something, it's like straight for the throat, I'm going to make you see it. And if that message is right for you, then you'll, you 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 know you it'll serve you but some people they won't know what to do with it it'll be too much for them and they might never talk to me again right but then there's others who like get it like you be like ah oh, okay yeah and that you know it, it you'll be able to you'll be able to use that and have it serve you and uh, and then there'll be a mutual respect between us but I, I don't have any other way I'm I'm for the throat no I well. I didn't realize, uh, well, I, I know that I've, I've often stepped into my masculine and I can be quite uh, direct and bullish and sometimes come across as arrogant as well because 
when I step into my power or I need to get something done with work, I can be pretty full on. Uh, and I, and our conversation also helped me realize that I, some of that doesn't serve me sometimes. And being that direct hard ass, um, charge bullet a gate, fucking just steamroll people to get what I done, um, doesn't, doesn't always serve. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to, to take the time to ask for people's feedback. We were actually referring to relationships at the time and you, you said that yes. I was, that you, you couldn't see me being soft and I was too hard. I was like, oh, Oh, that's yeah, I can I can be pretty pretty honest. Sorry about that. No, no, I love it. I love it. But I'm I although I am deemed a, a coach, uh, this is something that I always warn people up front is because I am also very direct. I try to I do everything with love, but I I do try to cut to the chase because I don't I won't do it with someone that I don't think can handle it. But if you really want to grow, you need to be willing to, and you should seek out people that are going to be direct and honest with you and not sugarcoat shit, like do it with love and don't do it to be a dick. But if you really want to take it to the next level, I found it wasn't serving me having people that only gave me good feedback or slightly fluffy, constructive criticism that wasn't taking me to the next level. Like I need to seek out people like you that are actually going to be like cut to the chase, bang, this is, this is what we're seeing or this is how this, this is what's getting reflected or this is the fucking problem like that's what's going to help me to iterate and to tweak. Like you giving me a nice little pat on the back and telling me I'm a lovely girl is not going to fucking help. No. And look, I mean, I, I would pick and choose myself who to have those conversations with. Like I, I wouldn't have that conversation with my mum, right? It's like, um, you know, but in the, in the context of entrepreneurship and, and, and that it's like, okay, I, I, I think sometimes I can see what people, what people are missing in seeing for themselves. Um, and then, I'm going to call you Monty I, I, the Dot Connector. I think there's there's no other. Sometimes, you know. Yeah, I'm. I, I know I'm brutal, but um, but I, I actually don't feel like I need people to like me. I know <laughs> that. I've got enough friends. Is that is that Monty's? It's not like motto? no. It's not that. It's like I would rather be authentic, and um, I, I know that if people can come out the other side of that message. Right then, there's a mutual respect, yeah. right? And there's always going to be there's always going to be that that level of respect, and I think that's a deeper, more authentic connection than me trying to be liked by somebody and not saying what I see. Um, yeah. And I, I don't have that conversation with everybody. It's like you know, it's not. I'm not opening up that can of worms for every everybody. So yeah. That's just because you don't want to deal with them crying. No. <laughs> I, I, I have no hesitation in making people cry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, I just, so I just give people just give people what they need. Just just give them what they need, even if they're not yeah. ready. No. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about integration. So how you've integrated these tools and you know these life experiences to be able to have more freedom in your life. Like you, you've just moved from the Philippines to Bali, right? You, you've left Australia. How long ago now? Um, I haven't officially lived there since 2013 was when I started living overseas. Yeah. Yeah. And what I really love about you is you're not this, obviously you're not like a, 
a laptop entrepreneur who's trading bloody Instagram posts for a fucking acai bowl. You're running real businesses, actually location independent and fluid. But there's there's been some things that you've need to integrate along the way. How have you integrated and what are some of the things that you could offer listeners, maybe not for leaving and living abroad, but to be able to have more of a lifestyle and a business besides the tips on, on, on the getting off our plate more on the, the human side. Um, more on the human side. Um, I, I think one of the things is to, first of all, is to be, to be clear on what it is that you, what it is that you want right? Because there's a lot of people, especially here in Bali, who are like, you know, the digital nomad community, right? Like there's thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people here, right? Um, but my experience is most of them are just doing okay. They're not really thriving, right? They're just kind of... They're just, lucky if they're just, doing okay. <laughs> they're just, just getting by. And then they paint this picture of, of, of freedom and, and, and all this. And abundance. And, and abundance and, you know, I... <laughs> And it's, it's, it's all for, it's all for show. Right. And then I think there's this kind of nagging hidden thing in the background of their mind for sure. Like that's got to be eating away their self esteem. And, um, and so I think it's being clear on being honest with yourself about where you're actually at. Right. And there's nothing wrong with taking the steps to, or, or taking longer to get to where you want to go. So it's like, you might be very attracted to the idea of going a little Bali, but maybe you need to build your business first, right? Maybe you need to have those foundations in place where you've then got the capacity to go and do that. Because I think we're just so oversold on the freedom lifestyle and anybody can just like in a heartbeat, go and move to Bali and, you know, and does everybody have the human capacity to create something in a short amount of time? Yes. But, um, you know, the, the reality of the situation is that things take time and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think just be clear on, uh, be clear on where you're at, right? That's probably the big, the biggest thing. And just be honest because it's like, if you don't have the financial means to support you going and being free, um, then there's going to be this authentic, sorry, this inauthentic kind of side to that. And, you know, there's this whole fake it till you make it kind of, you know, thought, but, um, you know, I, I don't really buy into that. Um, so in terms of creating freedom, I, I think that the, the bigger thing is there's a lot of things that you can get sucked into which are short-term quick wins, right? So the way I would describe it is it's very easy to build a single level house, right? If you wanted to, you could create an online Amazon business and start making a small amount of money very, very quickly, right? Um, but when you start to try to scale that and you start build, trying to build levels on top of that one-story house, then you, the whole thing is just going to come tumbling down. So the, the best way to build something up is to build it down, to build foundations, to be solid, to be grounded. Um, Get your leaky you know, plumbing sorted. Yeah. So uh, having kind of brutal honesty around what do you want? Like if you just want a one story house and you want to live in Bali, there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. That's fine. 
Uh, but if you want to scale a business, you're probably going to find it easier to build something sustainable first and then go live in Bali. Um, so... Do you have any advice for people finding that clarity? Because one of the things that I've been finding with clients recently is they struggle, they, they're actually struggling with vision, struggling with getting clear on where they really want to be once they, once they've they've removed all the should all overs and they've removed all the bullshit rules of society and they've all the shit that's been dumped on them about what they should do, getting or, or being able to get rid of that to get really clear. Yeah, I don't think people are going to like my answer to that question. And that is, I don't think people need clarity. Okay. I think we are sold so much on the idea that, you know, I've got to get clarity before I have the confidence to take any action, right? That's just bullshit excuses for not taking action, right? So <clears throat> we're so sold on this idea of, oh, we've got to work out, I've got to live my purpose. I've got to find my purpose. I've got to articulate my purpose. And if you ask me what my purpose is, like, is there an overall theme to my purpose? Sure. But it's changing every day, right? Now, if you knew, if you just knew that your purpose was going to change day to day, well, then what would that do for your need to clarify your purpose? You wouldn't need to clarify it. So the way I describe to say it is this, is it comes back to this conversation around working with where you're at right now. So I, what I say to people is if people are trying to figure out their purpose, trying to get clarity on exactly what they're doing, bring purpose to what you are doing. The way to really get clear on your big why, your big purpose is not by figuring it out, right? There's, you're not going to get struck by a lightning bolt from God that says, here's your purpose, right? That's what people are, are kind of hoping for. But the way for your purpose will unfold, your bigger reason for, for being here will unfold through the, purpose, through, the, through the process of you bringing purpose to what you do, right? So if every day you show up with purpose, bringing purpose to what you do rather than looking for your purpose, well, then you will more likely find your purpose because it will unfold organically because there is... There is a, there's negativity in, uh, there's a negative energy that comes with the need to know what your clarity is, like to have clarity on your purpose, because it's kind of like this desperation, right? It's like, I'm desperate to find my purpose, right? But the real truth is your purpose unfolds when you don't need it. It's like you find true love when you're not looking for it, right? Okay. And then when you bring love to yourself and you bring love to everybody around you and you bring love to the world, well, that's when you find your true love, right? I'm still trying to figure this one out. But yeah, when well, it comes to... Like, share some, share some insight my way, will you? <laughs> but I, I think it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing with purpose. We need to let go of the need yeah. to find clarity because what happens is... People are looking for, they want clarity so that they can have the search, so they can have the confidence and the certainty to move, mm. right? But what hap- it should be the other way around. You should, have the, the, you should have the confidence and the certainty before you have the clarity, mm. like right? This. So yeah. you just have the confidence to move 
And it's through that confidence you have certainty in yourself. And then it's through the process of just taking action and trust the process, trial and error, taking action and bringing process and, and faith to what it is that you're doing. And then that's where the clarity comes from. The clarity, it's not like you get the clarity, then you take the action. No, take the action, then you get the clarity. Mm-hmm. What do you think though in terms of thinking about what type of life you want to live, the type of lifestyle? Like I was back in my, you know, corporate-ish, but back back in my younger years, like when I was just, I felt like my soul-sucking search for significance made me have to have, I need to have a business of this size with this type of people and I have to have a physical office in the city of Sydney and I have to wear a pinstripe suit and I have to drive my sports car and I have to have my six-star apartment looking at the Harbour Bridge, like, and all of these things is going to make me successful and I was so driven to, to work and, towards that. And my question to you and everybody else is, have you ever felt happy or are you constantly looking? Yeah, well... Right. So it, does, it doesn't matter what you decide. It doesn't matter what idea you come up with around what kind of business you want to have, what kind of life you want to live. <clears throat> it's probably going to change and you're probably going to have some level of feeling of it's never good, good enough, right? And, and that's got nothing to do with the circumstances of figuring out what kind of life you want to live, right? Um, so that's why I think <clears throat> really trying to be introspective and tap into that and really be in tune... I know it sounds a bit woo-woo, but kind of tapping into, you know, your intuition and really following the feelings and making decisions which don't seem logical, mm. right? Because what happens is we tend to make decisions on the logical next step of our life. It's like, oh, okay, well, uh, I bought this ha- house, now I've got to buy this house, right? Because it's mm. the logical next step. I bought the, the one series and so now I'm going to buy the three series. And it's like, that's how we live our lives. But so You're a BMW um, man, you just told me then. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the that's the logical next steps, but I don't think that's where the answers are. The answers are in dissolving that and figuring uh, and learning how to trust your intuition, so you can be guided to decisions which may be completely, you know, seemingly wild and weird, and yeah. um, allowing that to unfold because it's not. <clears throat> I, I think in that process, you can't make a wrong decision. You, you yeah. can't. You can't make a wrong decision. All you can do is you can, because there's so much bravery in doing that. Like what you're going to learn and what you're going to uh, get for yourself through that process of just making the decision, taking an action which is completely sideways to what you would have done before, is so good for your spirit and what you know who you will be on the other side of that. That other things will unfold that you cannot see. Because yeah. I think what we tend to try to do is we can see we can see the result of the logical next step right we can see that but when we stop needing to see what that thing looks like stop needing to see what our life looks like well then that's when the best version of our life can unfold because we no longer have a need right? and i know it sounds very kind of um it's going to sound very weird to people um but the more you let go of that desperation and that need for your life to look a certain way, the more organically it will unfold the way that is going to be most aligned with your path, your weave in the universe. Um, And that's what I think people are actually seeking, Mm. right? People are seeking 
their little path, their little weave in the universe. Like, what's my, what's my, what's my place? What's my yeah. meaning in the, in the, in the, you know, what's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's in the unseeking that you, that you find the answers. That now that's deep. That's very deep. Um, I love that. I, and for, for the listeners that are maybe just starting to awaken and start, start that sort of journey, they're kind of, they're coming to the realization that, okay, I need to tap in. Do you have any, any tips for maybe starting to tap into that ish, intuition or starting to, to go inside? Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely think there's a relationship between, um, looking after your body and meditation and mindful practices. So mindful practice, you know, people talk about mindfulness all the time. Um, and mindfulness to me is being present with everything. So if I'm doing a podcast, I'm only present to this. Like when I wake up in the morning, I don't check my phone for an hour. Like I'm present to my rituals and what I'm doing. I'm not distracted by all these different things. Um, and I think through the process of, of mindfulness and if you study any very successful person that's that's how they are like they're very present and mindful to, to what they're doing and you know there's a level of productivity and efficiency that comes with that um, but I think it's much bigger than that because it, it allows you to kind of stay in tune whereas if you're constantly being bombarded with distractions it's like you don't have the space and time to feel right so uh, I definitely think and Things like just exercise and nutrition can be a gateway to um, the feeling of okay, my body feels really good. What's the then the you know then the next step up from that is 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 meditation, and then it evolves from there. And it's like meditation, okay, well then I'm surrounded by different people who are better for my spirit, and then it's like through that I meet somebody and I'm guided to go and do ayahuasca or whatever, right? Um, but I think. Uh, that process of, of of looking after your body and being mindful, and certainly meditation, and uh, allowing yourself to kind of open up to those experiences, yeah, um, will help you to to tap into those things. And you you'll get nuggets, you'll get experiences. And once you, if you've not ever really experienced something like that, once you get an experience, it's like wow, wow, like you know, like synchronicities that you know you just you, you cannot explain, right? You just cannot explain. I'm sure a lot of your listeners um, have experienced these things from time to time. And it's like, I think most everybody's got some, some reference to that. Right. And it's like, well, how can you make it so that you can formulate your life so that you could be tapped into that um, more and more often? Yeah. And how you yeah. cultivate that. Do you, for someone that's starting to meditate, do you have any, um, styles or apps or anything that you would guide people towards to, to help them start that journey? Do you use anything um, specifically now or? I, it depends on how I feel like meditation has not come that easy for me. Um, I find that ones with uh, like either guided meditations mm. or ones with, with music, I find easier for me to not be distracted so much with the the chat, the mind chatter. Um, 
and then there's other times when I just everything to be still, no sound, no anything, and you know I can kind of chew, I can kind of get in the zone. But um, certainly, guided meditations is it's just so much easier because you um, you get the opportunity to follow a process, and then you're just present. If you can just be present on that process, well, you know you're you're being mindful, right? That's that's a beautiful process to be in, and then you're not distracted by anything. And you're in a, you know, your body's in a beautiful state and your mind's in a state and your heart's, you know, your heart rate's low. And, um, yeah, so I would say, you know, find a, try some different guided meditations. Yeah, beautiful. I find, yeah, guided meditation definitely helps for me because the, the chatter, I haven't quite mastered it yet. Um, and that's probably what led me, that's what led me to the six phase meditation that I now teach around the world for Mind Valley. Um, yeah. And that I, because I found that that was what, by starting that process was what had the most profound effect on me to be able to start calling in and listening to the intuition and having these, I don't know, moments yeah, where I, the soul screams. Um, and and, and I, I, I think people don't understand. The reason why meditation is so hard for people, including myself, to do or to start is because you don't see the benefit of it, right? It's because we live such busy lives and it's like, well, I'm going to take 30, hour, 30 minutes out of my day when I could be doing this, 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 or this. Um, they don't see what's on the other side of it. So just, there's, there's not enough reference to place value on it, right? And you just got to figure out for yourself how to, um, to be able to assign a strong value to spending that time to cultivate um, mindfulness, stillness, and those kind of practices um, because I, I, I can guarantee that what you seek, the bigger things you seek is on the other side of that. Like it's just, it's just, just a fact. It's, it just is. Yeah. The more, yeah. That, the more that you, the more that you resist that, the more you're going to stay where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like you look at any of the successful people, they all credit my meditation and mindfulness. Like yeah. one of the well, key the, the, things they say the, that's made the difference for them. Yeah. Well, the, the ones that I admire and probably you admire as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of financially successful people that never meditated, but the ones that I admire who have very nice, you know, beautiful families and they have nice lifestyles and yeah. Yeah, they make money, but they're not like ego driven money people. The ones that I admire. Yes. Meditation is, is, is Hi. one of the major factors. Hi. Awesome. Um, Monty, tell us now just a little bit about what you are doing in Bali because we've seeded with you've got a new project and you're doing this thing and you've moved from the Philippines and you've moved to Bali. What the fuck are you doing there? Um, so Lighthouse, yeah, the project is called Lighthouse and essentially our tagline is it is a centre for luminaries. So it is a creative space. Um, we have a professional podcast studio, soundproof podcast studio, a video studio, seminar center um we've got a rooftop bar overlooking the rice fields um so you could liken it to an event center um but it is especially set up for change makers uh, for people who have a very strong important message in the world and people who are working with uh with you know with uh, messages of, of impact and my hope that lighthouse is lots of meditators um, yeah, possibly yes, but um, I mean the whole purpose there is to 
give people the resources and the capacity to create really beautiful, amazing content and share their message. With I need world. you to come and, and Bali, build that here for me in in Burley on the Gold Coast. I need one. Yeah, so Can you make a lighthouse I, for me? I would, I would do that, but one step at a time. I've got to work with what I've got right now. Um, and Bali is a hub in the world for podcasters and vloggers and content creators and stuff. Um, and it is going to be, be bad for me to say that although I have the opportunity to live in Bali, I wouldn't, I just don't want like the Gold Coast is so beautiful. It's so, it's got no, like there's no, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, what's, what's right for one person. There's no right. Or, there's certainly no right or wrong. Absolutely. Um, I, I've not felt called to go back to Australia. I might one day, I'm completely open to the idea. I'm not set on, Oh, but I'm going to live in Bali forever. Um, you know, Bali is, is amazing for me right now. And, um, I do yeah, like duck diving right. without getting a plastic bag around my neck. It is nice here. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's Lighthouse. So we are going to be opening August. end of 2020, probably around September, August, ah. September. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, yeah, we'll start sharing, sharing things online, but... Um, if people want to get in touch with me or follow me, just follow me on Instagram. It's probably the best way, Monty Hook, M-O-N-T-Y, and then Hook, H-O-O-K-E. Um, and then from there, people will see some updates on Lighthouse and what's happening there. Um, so if you've thought of coming to Bali and, you know, creating content or putting a mastermind on or a seminar or something, then you definitely want to know about Lighthouse. So, It'd be um, an epic place. Like if you were, say you were wanting to put on an, put out an online course or something like that and you need a, a spot to come and focus, get filmed, get it done, then you could use one of your outsourced team to do the video editing and get, get it all sorted. Yeah, so we have, we're going to have obviously videographers and sound engineers. So like, you know, like if you want to, if you've written a book and you want to record an audio book, right, you've got to be in studio oh, for cool. two or three days recording it. We're going to like the Ricefields View soundproof studio where you can, you know, record that. Um, studio will be half the cost of what you would pay in Australia and you know we've got a cafe in there and um, yeah it's going to be a, a, a much nicer environment than probably anywhere it. in the world to do that kind of stuff. I love it I'm, I'm excited and motivated to actually I've been talking about film an online course do my online course maybe I'll yeah. do it just so I can come use the space. <laughs> yeah perfect cool. <laughs> Uh, Monty, I have loved, loved, loved having this conversation with you and I love the fact that I learned something new about you today as well because with my podcast, obviously, I, I'm interviewing a lot of people that I already know, but just by going through this process and, and exploring and learning new things. So I am so grateful that you've you've shared pieces of you that obviously don't normally just come out in, in conversation. You've given some really great tips and tools as well. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Um, no, but uh, you know, kind of just re reiterate on this theme around, you know, to stop beating ourselves up for not fully understanding our purpose, right? It's like, I, I mean, I, I've been around a lot of, successful seven, eight, nine figure business people. And they all deal with the same shit that you and I do like the same head chatter, the same conversations in our mind, the same self doubts, um, the same like 
every day wondering what their purpose is, right? And I think it's just so easy for us to beat ourselves up around, around that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's amazing to have clarity and it's amazing to have, you know, what that broad vision is and what your, what, you know, what, what it is that you stand for, right? I think your purpose is what you stand for and the way you get there, the vehicle around it shifts and changes. Um, but we get so, so wrapped up in need or our purging around the tactic, right? It's like, well, I need to be a speaker. Or I need to do this. Or I need to create this online program. And it's like, I mean, that's just going to morph a thousand times in your lifetime. And so whatever you feel called to do in the moment, you know, whatever is going to serve you with where you're at at that time, then do that and bring purpose to that. And then I can guarantee you, your purpose and your clarity will unfold. So, you know, just stop beating yourself up around, around that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find it more easily. I love it. Great message to leave people with. Uh, and I definitely think that I will use with my clients because it is a huge anxiety point. And, uh, I really do resonate with what you said about being in motion and, and bring, just bringing that, that being on purpose with what you're doing and, and finding purpose in that and trusting the process that actually, um, even gives me a, a bit of a sense of relief because I've been going a lot by intuition lately and I've got my under underlying purpose of, of what I'm, what I'm doing, but I'm really not sure on the vehicle right now. So I'm trying to trust the process. I like, I feel called to the podcast. I feel called to do this stuff. I'm just going to, just going to roll with it and, and trust that it's going to un- unveil for me because yeah. when I had that hard set goal and I fucking busted my ass to get there, I got there and it was like, Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And look, and this is why um, I, 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 I'm not so goal driven. Like what I'm, what I'm driven around is standards and moving the needle. Right. So I think we can get so wrapped up in, in our goals. And then if you're not moving towards the goal, then it's too easy to kind of go, Oh, you know, that's that goal doesn't work or, or whatever. I think your goal as a human, as an entrepreneur is just to be moving the needle. Right. If you, as long as you are moving the needle every day and that's your focus, you're going to reach your goals. But if the intention is nothing but oh, I've got to reach this goal, I've got to, I've got to, you know, it's it's too easy to to not reach a goal and then feel bad about yourself or even reach the goal and then there's no fulfillment in that, right? Because if you're just focused on moving the needle, then you're focused on the process. You're focused on yeah. bringing purpose and presence to what you're doing, um, and then you'll reach your goal even bigger and you'll find goals that you didn't even know about. Um, but when you're so fixated on, I've got to reach this goal, go reach this goal. Yeah, you're blinded. You know, you're, you're blinded and you miss the process yeah. and you miss the experience and the journey. Yes. hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Thank again. You, Bye guys. Hey there, barrel chasing business owners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the show. What would help us immensely is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, if you feel like you got any value or entertainment out of today's session, that would be epic. What that will allow us to do is to spread the message and help more business owners like you to not only survive, but to thrive. Thanks so much. See you on the next show.